uh, uh, went out uh, this weekend to the Sight and Sound Theater in Pennsylvania, and it was uh, it was great. Had a great time. It's a great drive too. I actually it's kind of unique because you you see the Amish people kind of riding around. You know, you see the, the shopping mall like on one side of the street, then on the other side you see all the fields and you see the little cart that's kind of coming down the roadway. So it's kind of neat. My wife got an opportunity. Uh, my wife is afraid of everything. Uh, she don't, she jump when she see bugs. Uh, you know, she just, she flips out over the little. So she was, uh, they had at this, uh, at the, uh, we went to a place to eat called Good and Plenty in, in, in uh, Lancaster, I believe, or, or Wark, Pennsylvania. And uh, the food there was pretty good, by the way, right? Right? So, yeah, so yes, yeah, okay. <laughs> so don't make it, yeah, so. Uh, and they, they had a little petting farm right outside the restaurant. So the kids could go over and they can just, you know, feed the goats. So you pay your 25 cents. And so my wife, you know, I'm laughing, right, because, you know, my wife, she doesn't do animals. I mean, it was amazing we got the dog. I mean, that's a long story. I won't even go into that. But she pays the 25 cents. She gets the stuff. What is that stuff called? It's, it's food to feed the goats, all right? So, of course, we walk over there, and there's two goats. And the goats just come running. They charge the fence. And, and they're, just, they're just so excited because they believe they're going to get fed. And so, and I'm telling Peggy, baby, go ahead, do it. She's like, what are they going to I said, they're not going to bite you. The people wouldn't put the goats out here if they're going to bite. Go ahead and feed the goat. And so I said, don't be a wimp. Just go ahead and just do it. So she went ahead and decided to do it. And I'm, I'm sitting there like, oh, my goodness, she's going to go through with this, right? So she get to, you, you guys went out. I wish you guys could have saw it. I should have had my camera. But she, um, she got the stuff, and she stood up there, and she was like, ooh. She's standing there, and she sticks her hand out. And then as she sticks her hand out, the goat start licking out of her hand. She goes, ooh, ah, and she drops it, and she just runs. I'm like, what are you doing? She said, it was, it was warm and wet. <laughs> so she flipped out. So, but, you know, her faith was strengthened because at least she did it. And so I was amazed. I said, baby, you have come a long way. So uh, keep up the good work because I wasn't about to put my hand in there. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Let's go into the word. Father, we just thank you so much. For your word, we, we know your word is true. Father, I pray for a fresh anointing this morning that, Lord God, the words that are being spoken today will be directly from the throne of God. Father, I pray that we will be chained for the better. I decrease that your spirit in me might increase. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. We have been talking about developing a godly character. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter number 7. And we're going to begin reading in verses 1 through 5. Uh, we have talked about uh, integrity. We have talked about humility. Uh, last week, we, we dealt with forgiveness. Did anybody have to forgive anybody over the weekend or over the week? Mm. And so today, we're going to talk about a subject, I believe, in, in keeping with developing a godly character. We're going to talk about here hypocrisy, avoiding hypocrisy. Now, what has been our stated anthem, kind of like at the onset of all these messages, is that your gift will take you places, but it's your character that will keep you there. Your gift will take you places, but it's your character that will keep you there. And so I know that this may not be one of those sexy topics that you hear and say, you know, Pastor, I'm so excited about wanting to learn about making my character more like Jesus. You may not be as excited about that, but I promise you that it is the key to living a blessed life because what God is after overall is he wants to conform us to the image of his son. 
That's what God is doing in your life. So all the stuff and the struggles that you're dealing with, God is trying to, to conform you to the image of your son so that we can learn to be more like Christ in everything that we do. Here in Matthew chapter number 7, we'll start reading in verse 1. Are you there? Say amen. amen. Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrites, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not Give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearl before swines, lest they trample them under the feet and turn and tear you into pieces. Didn't mean to read verse 6 and just kind of fell into it. But how many know that hypocrisy is one of those things that is used today by a lot of folks who are unchurched, uh, who don't like organized religion? They will often you hear them say the term, the phraseology that I'm not going to go to church because there's a bunch of hypocrites in there. How many of you have ever, ever heard that? You know, and of course, my response has always been, you know, pretty standard. Well, you know, when I go to work, there are hypocrites over there, too. Uh, when I go inside the mall, there are hypocrites in the mall. When I go to Sight and Sound Theater, there are hypocrites, I'm sure, there, too. There are hypocrites on the soccer field. How many know that there are hypocrites everywhere? And so we, as the people of God, we understand that sometimes people like to use that as an excuse because, you know, deep down on the inside, they know that they should be connected to God some way, somehow. And so the way to make themselves feel better about not being involved in church or in religion or however you want to say it is that they say, well, you know what, I just have a lot of hypocrites there. And to some extent, that, that is true. There are hypocrites in the church. In fact, I believe that it is one of the things that I believe that the enemy has used over and over again to blind people from coming to the knowledge of the truth. You remember a few years ago, and how many of you are familiar with Ted Haggard? Uh, he was a pastor down in New Life Church in Colorado, pastor of church of about 10,000 people. He and his wife started a church in the basement, in the living room. The thing grew to 10,000 people. And Ted Haggard was the president, I believe, of the, of the Evangelical Association, which is about 10 million people strong. I mean, this guy was mega preacher, well-known, had, you know, all of the accolades that one could get, a very charismatic pastor, one that was looked up to. Ted Haggard was known as one of those that spoke out against sexual immorality in a very, very forceful way. And, uh, but the problem with Ted Haggard was that Ted Haggard, who was speaking out against sexual immorality, was himself involved in a relationship with another man. And I recently saw him on television and I looked at this man, and you could see the pain. You could see the humility, because he had obviously had been humbled tremendously. And yes, he knows that he's been forgiven. 
Yes, he understands the grace, the mercy, and the power of God. But he also, what you saw there in a man, is that he lost a certain status that he can never, ever get back. And for what? And for what? To have a good time. To fulfill the lust of his flesh. I remember Jimmy Swaggart. How many of you ever heard of Jimmy Swaggart years ago? Was one of those fiery preachers, Pentecostal preachers. Jimmy Swaggart would put you on notice real quick. Next thing you know, you hear about Jimmy Swaggart, who was preaching so forcefully against adultery and pornography and all of that. Found himself being caught with a prostitute, I believe, on a couple of different occasions. Now, I, I bring up those things not to condemn those brothers. You know, that's not what this is all about. I pray for them. I'm glad that Jimmy Swaggart has been restored back in the ministry. How many know that we can use some restoring? Nobody is perfect here. This is nobody got their corner on perfection. That's, you know, nobody is perfect. But I say it to suggest that whenever we fall into this thing of hypocrisy where we say one thing, but our lives are not living consistently according to what we're saying. Our life is not matching up. How many know you give the enemy a chance to blaspheme? The folks out there say, well, look, I told you the church people, they're talking about this. They're talking about all this stuff. But look, they're doing the very thing that they said that you should not do. So you know what? I'm just going to stay right here and keep doing my thing as if they really needed an excuse to do that. And so as we look at this issue of hypocrisy, I think we got to, first of all, we got to be real. We got to be realistic that, that it is a problem. But, but how many know that hypocrisy is a sin? We don't want to say that. But in reality, it's a sin, and how many know it kills the anointing of God when the, when the Spirit of God is moving? Can you think about those ministries that, that failed, those, those leaders, how, what kind of effect that hypocrisy had on them, on those folks, on those people? There were people that were displaced. I'm sure that some folks have probably just walked away from God altogether and said, you know what, I am done with the church. See, it's one thing to, to make mistakes here and there. But it's another thing to present yourself as being something that you're not. That's the issue. We talk about character. Character is being that, that who I see Brother Larry to be on Sunday morning. Not teasing you, brother. You know I'm not. That this is the same brother that when he goes home, I talked to his wife. She can say, Did that Larry that you see on Sunday, that's the same Larry. He, 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 he's the real deal. Larry got problems. Larry is not a perfect man. He'd tell you that, right? None of us are. But see the, see, the hypocrite says, I got it all together, and I'm doing A, B, and C, and you should be doing that. But then on the backside of things, they're doing the very thing that they said that you shouldn't do. What's the result? The message of the gospel is watered down. We lose our influence and our ability to be able to preach from a moral authority. Why? Because, you see, when the church loses its moral authority, it has no voice. When a pastor, when a leader loses his moral authority, you have no voice. Nobody will listen to you. There are certain sect of people that will never listen to a Teg Haggard. No matter what he says, they cannot receive from him. Is it because of people he's not forgiven? No. 
It's just that, I, see, I believe this, and, and maybe you all can, can feel this with me, but I believe that there is a hunger and a thirst, I believe, that in, 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 the, in the hearts of people, that there, there are people that are looking for somebody who is real. They are looking for people who believe what they say, say what they mean, mean what they say. I may have said it wrong, but I think you get my drift. There are people, I mean, we get, we get disappointed, for an example, when our, uh, you know, our politicians fail us. That sometimes we, you know, I don't want to, I can't believe a politician because everything they say, they just, they, they, they lie. That they're, they're not, I can't believe anything that they say. And, and people are left, and people are left hungry, hungry for somebody that will say, you know what, what I'm saying to you is real. I believe this stuff. It really works. Church should not be just another place that we come on Sunday just to say that, you know what, I'm going to do something different. Uh, you know, I'm, or I'm just going to go and hang out at the church because I got nothing else to do. How I many know? There's plenty of things I have to do. I could be out on the golf course right now driving one 350 yards in the middle of the fairway. But I'm here this morning, brother, because I believe that this Bible works. Hallelujah. I believe that there's power in the word of God. I believe this thing. And so when I get up on Sunday morning, I don't just come to church going through the motions. I come with an expectation and I come with an excitement that God is going to do something marvelous in my life. I come with faith. I believe this Bible cover to cover. And I struggle like the next man. All of us struggle, but I believe this thing. And how many know we got to be people that when we open this book, that, that, that we follow this thing, that it means something. It's not something that we set on the lampstand and just let it collect with dust. But it's something that we live out every single day of our lives. Jesus said that you're the light of the world. What's the core message in that? You really think about it? He says, we're the light. We're not just people to talk about it. We live it. Where's the power in the gospel? The power in the gospel that changes your life. God, God gives you the power and the grace to do things that you could not do in your own strength. He anoints you. He brings you places. I can remember when I was in darkness and I didn't know the Lord. And uh, I used to think when people would try to witness to me, I said, I can't live a Christian. I can't live like that, brother. I've been I'm deep in this stuff. I mean, what are you talking? I can't give this up. No way. All of a sudden, God just come into your life. He invades your space, and he changes you. All of a sudden, your mind, everything about you changes. Why? Because you've been born into the kingdom. God empowers you. See, hypocrisy ought not be something that characterizes the people of God. And how many know it's time that we take a stand and say no more? No more. That starting today, I'm not going to live this way. How many know that's a form of bondage, really? In Matthew chapter number 7, Jesus did not forbid criticism and opinions or the condemnation or wrongdoing, but he forbids the spirit of fault-finding that overlooks one's own shortcoming while judging others. So easy to point out, you know, when somebody else sinned, and I see it here in the church sometimes when I'm standing up here preaching, preach a certain message and and somebody hears something they think that's relevant to somebody else, they look around. You know, there's something in the human nature that I always want to say. 
But you know, you, you ever notice anything about this? Uh huh. Isn't that amazing? For every one finger I point at somebody else, it just three back at me. That's why you learn to walk in humility because you know that if it were not for the grace of God, you would not have a voice. And so I'm, I'm a man that is very, very aware of my shortcomings. And I never present myself having, having it all together. But I present myself as one that is pressing into the glory, pressing into God and allowing him to change me as I go through the process of life. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 23. Are y'all tracking with me this morning? Matthew chapter 23. Now, now here's the interesting thing about this. I'm going to turn the air conditioner down a little bit because it's a little cold in here. Diamond, is, it, is the air bothering you a little bit? I'm going to turn this down just a little bit. Matthew chapter number 23. One of the things that you discovered about Jesus <laughs> is that he was always the strongest or his sharpest criticism was to those who were the leaders of the church. His sharpest criticism was to the folks that everybody looked at and said, wow, they're holy. They're sanctified. That's the standard. When Jesus came on the scene, the, the, the folks that struggled, the folks that were sinners, like the woman caught in adultery, the tax collector, Zacchaeus, remember all those folks that everybody else say, Jesus, why are you hanging out with prostitutes and sinners? Do you know what kind of person this is? For if you knew Jesus, you would not be hanging out with that person. Oh, glory to God. Jesus hung out with them. But who did he deal with the most? The self-righteous Pharisee. Wasn't because of the fact that they were Pharisees that Jesus had issue with. It's the fact that they were hypocrites. We talk about Jesus, how he uses the word grace and how he's compassionate. Yes, Jesus is all that. He's a God of love. He's a God that's compassionate. But how do you know that from time to time, Jesus was pretty sharp with the tongue? <laughs> we don't like to talk. Just tell me about his love and his grace. I tell you about his love and his grace, but he knows how to put you in check. But listen to what he says to the Pharisees. Now, the way we're going to do this, we're going to read Matthew chapter 23. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. And then we're going to jump over to verses 25 through 28. So we'll start at verse number one in Matthew chapter 23. Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to the disciples saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, place of authority. Therefore, whatever they tell you to do, observe that observe and do, but do not do according to their works. For they say, but they do not do. Mm -mm -mm. For they bind heavy burdens hard to be bare and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phalasteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the best places at the feast, the best seats in the synagogues. Greetings in the marketplace and to be called by men, rabbi. Jump over to verse 25. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! 
For you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee. First cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful and outwardly, but inside are full of dead man's bones and all uncleanliness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. How do you define a hypocrite? How many know Jesus defined it pretty well, didn't he? But I told you Webster, I believe Webster was a Christian because his definition seems spiritual. But Webster defines hypocrite this way. One who acts in contradiction to his or her stated beliefs. Period. Jesus brought an indictment against the Pharisees. He says, now, what they're saying to you is right, but do me a favor, don't do what they do because they're hypocrites, because they don't live what they say. They say it, but they don't walk it. So do me a favor, don't even do, don't mimic their lifestyle. Because, you see, when you talk about this, this thing of hypocrisy, the easy thing to do is to say, do this or do that. This is right. There's a whole other story to walk it out. And Jesus, I mean, think about it this way. That's a terrible thing to say. He says, listen to them, but don't follow what they say. Don't follow, them. Don't follow what they do. Because what they do ain't matching up with what they're saying to you. And Jesus knew. He dealt with this spirit very sharply. I mean, he said, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. You are a bunch of hypocrites. Because he knew that they were blocking people from getting into the kingdom, and he wasn't going to have it. They were saying one thing, and they were doing another. See, they were, what were the Pharisees being driven by? Their desire to look the part. Now, I know none of us ever come to church. We all got it all together. You know, we don't wear a mask on Sunday, right? Me and my wife had a little spat this morning. <laughs> Guess what our spat was about 99% of the time? Kids. Kids. We sitting there, you have a little spat about the kids. Kids. You know, we all struggle, don't we? We put a lot of time, boy, going inside to stand in front of the mirror. Everybody like to look good. You all look beautiful this morning look gorgeous. You want to make sure I get our, you know, we get our hair fixed right. If you're a lady, you get your makeup. And we spend a lot of time trying to work on the, the exterior of who we are. And nothing wrong with that. But the problem is that you can get so obsessive in that that you deny what's really important, the real you. Because the real you is the real you, who you really are. And I find that people that are 
living a life of hypocrisy, generally they live a double life. The life that you see, when you see out in open, it doesn't match up with the one at home. But pastor, how do you know that? Because I get a phone call every now and then. And I've learned, as a, let me say this to you. Nothing surprises me anymore. I don't say that in a way to say that, again, in a prideful way. It's just that, you know, I had somebody not too long ago got mad at me. Well, Pastor, why would anybody get mad at you? You're such a nice guy. You don't yell and scream at anybody. You, you know, you're a good person. You, you know, why anybody want to get, I don't understand. I know you all thinking that, right? But um, they said, well, I try to keep my, my life over here at work separate from, from, from my other life. Really? I mean, told me this. He wanted to talk to me because he mad about something that got out. I'm just trying to do a service to the community. Well, you know, well, it's an emer- is it emergency, brother. Yeah, it's an emergency. I need to meet with you right away. I need to meet with you. Uh, is it an emergency? Because my time is limited. I'll meet with you, but you know, it's a- yes, Pat, it's an emergency. I go, okay. Well, you know. That, you know, that email, why did he just come to me? Because I didn't want, you know, what the problem was, brother didn't want folks to know because whatever he was projecting over at work about being religious, coming to church all the time, just so into it. Person wasn't into it. <laughs> wasn't into it at all. And he didn't want, he wanted everybody else to think that I go to church every Sunday. I love the Lord Jesus. Oh, he wanted everybody to think he was into it. And in reality, he wasn't. And I said to him, brother, that's your problem. Because what you see here on the job is what you're going to see, you know, when I'm in my private life, when I'm at home. It all matches up. I mean, no, it takes hard work to be a hypocrite. <laughs> you didn't think about it. I mean, all that stuff you got to try to do to try to, Live this life, put on this suit, and then got to put on another one. Put on this suit, and then put on another one. And so, Jesus said that the, he said that the Pharisees were like whitewashed tombs. They still have those out in, in Israel today. What is a whitewashed tomb? What they do is, so that you would know that there's a grave there, they would kind of whitewash it. So that you won't mistakenly step on a grave. Jesus says, you're like, Jesus says, the Pharisees are like whitewashed tombs. What was he saying? That when people see you on the outside, they say, boy, you got it together. You look great. But boy, he said, once you pop the top, full of dead men's bones and all corruption and defilement and self-indulgence. In essence, what Jesus was saying is that they are nowhere near what they claim to be. They've been a hypocrite. And because of this spirit of hypocrisy, the church loses credibility. We lose credibility. You know, for every person that, that acts up in a way, that the Bible says, let every man that names the name of Christ do what? Depart from iniquity. For every single time that we fall into this thing of hypocrisy, and people find out about who we really are. It makes it hard for people like you, me, to go out and share. 
to somebody else. Because obviously, you don't really mean what you're saying. Jesus says, they, they, the Pharisees, they were, they were full of self-indulgence. What, what was he saying? Self-indulgence. That these were on purpose. They weren't living right. They knew they weren't living right. All they cared about was just making sure you thought they were living right. And if we're going to be people of character, how many know that the anointing, the anointing follows character? You can be as gifted as you want to be. You can be as gifted as you want to be. But the anointing is going to follow character. Once the character goes, guess where the anointing goes? You have no anointing. You may have something that looks like the anointing. You may have to manufacture. The, and there are some great actors out there. In fact, that's another meaning for the word hypocrite, actor. <laughs> Did you know that? It's another root word. It's an actor. So if we're not careful, we can find ourselves winning an Oscar being a hypocrite. And you know what? And they, how many know there, there should be something in us that hates that because people of character are what? People are, who are honest and they're people of integrity. They're people of humility. You know, it's one thing to say, Brother Larry, it's your day today too, brother. Because you look so good sitting up front. It's one thing to say, Brother Larry, I'm struggling with this thing, but, but this is what the word of God says, brother. And, and brother Larry, can you, can you pray with me? Because, you know, this is what God's word says, but I'm struggling. Can, can you help me, brother? If that's, that's one thing. Then to say, well, I, I got it all together. Well, you know full well that you're struggling in that area. And you know full well that you're not doing what you're saying. And we look at that sometimes. We think it's okay. The God, I mean, what makes certain leaders and pastors and teachers and leaders in the church live a life of hypocrisy for so long? How could you, how, how could you go off into that for so long and, and not even bat an eye? How could you just live that way when you're standing up there telling people what to do? How could you do it? Character is shady. And this is the part of us that we got to get right. Nothing more than that we all like is to be around folks that we believe are people of integrity. So when I talk to you and you talk to me, you know that you're going to get the truth. We, have to, we won't have to go dig for it. We want foundation. We want to be a people here. We don't want to present the image that we're perfect. Stay with us for a couple of, by the end of the service, you probably already figured that out. Nobody perfect here. But we're not living lives of hypocrisy. We can't. We can't live that way and expect the blessings and favor of God over our lives. How many know the stakes are too high? The stakes are too high. Turn with me to Galatians chapter number two. And this is, we got two more scriptures and then we're going to get you out of here because I know you got to get something to eat. Galatians chapter two is uh, the apostle Peter was the leader of the church. And Paul was the apostle to the Gentile church. And so Paul's ministry was to the Gentiles. So what did Paul? Paul had an affection toward the Gentiles, while Peter primarily spoke to the Jews. Peter got this revelation by the Lord. The scripture talks about in Acts how that God had given him a revelation, a vision. 
And Peter had come to the place where he realized that this faith, this gospel was for all people, not just those who are the Jews, but those who are Gentiles. And so I want you to get the picture here. So here, Peter is hanging out with the Gentiles, right? These are Gentiles, are non-Jews. He's hanging out. He's eating with them. He's fellowshipping with them. He's having a great time with these folks. Then all of a sudden, his homies come in, his homies, his boys, some of the Jews come in. And now Peter want to change. He want to switch on a little bit. Look what he says here in the book of Acts. I'm sorry, in the book of Galatians, chapter 2, verse 11. Now, when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face. This is Paul talking. Because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew, separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the what? Hypocrite with him. So even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, if you being a Jew living the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? In other words, why are you being a hypocrite? Listen. What was Peter concerned about? He knew that this gospel, he got a revelation. But all of a sudden, his boys come in. And now he want to act like, I ain't really hanging out with them. I ain't really doing that. So what is Paul, what is Peter doing? He's not being true to himself. He's being a hypocrite. So much so that Peter was considered the leader of the church. The apostle Paul came after him. And the apostle Paul said, I talked to him straight to his face and told him, Brother, you're not doing this right. You're not living right. Can you imagine the effect? Watch this, that this hypocrisy had on the Gentiles. How that Peter's eating with us, and as soon as his boys come in, he acts like he don't know me. If anybody ever had that experience, and it's like, oh, what's up? Why are, you, why are you acting this way? Even the things fell on the apostle Peter. And Paul had to rebuke him for it. And the scripture says that even Barnabas was carried away. Barnabas, son of encouragement, he saw this hypocrisy, and Barnabas said, well, if it's good for Peter, then I got to follow along. How many know the hypocrisy is contagious? You get somebody living in hypocrisy, living a life known of hypocrisy, hypocrisy, you just let that thing go, then everybody else thinks, well, sis, brother so-and-so doing the sister so-and-so living this way. I mean, obviously, I hang out with them when they're not out in this environment, and, and so I know what kind of people are, so it's okay for me to live this way out here, but be this way in here. It's okay. It's okay. I can, I can do that. You know why? Because brother so-and-so and Paul said, no, 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 no. I got to call you on that, brother. You can't do that. Peter was humble enough. Peter didn't try to fight him on it because Peter knew he was wrong. In closing, First Corinthians chapter 9, and we're done. You guys can go eat and have a good time and enjoy your fellowship. Hallelujah. Look at this. 
verse number 24, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul said this. He says in verse number 24 through 27. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receive the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body, bring it into subjection. Why? Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Wow. I mean, that is some tough stuff. How many know we're in a race? I mean, we're all trying to win as many people into the kingdom of God as we can, right? We're all trying to share share the light of the gospel. We want to see people brought out of darkness and to his marvelous light. We're in a race, whether or not you know it or not. How many know that in a race sometimes it don't always go the way you want it to go? Sometimes you got to struggle in a race. Sometimes you're not careful. You'll you trip, you'll stumble, you'll fall. But you're all in a race. But Paul says, but I don't run this thing as, as like I'm just beating the air. Paul said, I run this race with a purpose. What is Paul saying? Paul understood that God has a call on my life there's a people out there I got to reach. I, I, I got to make a difference. Therefore, there's certain things I cannot do. Hypocrisy is out of the question. Well, why do you, well, Pastor, he doesn't mention the word hypocrisy there. Really? What did he say? He said, lest I have preached to others. Said something to others, and I don't follow through with it. I myself will be disqualified. You know, one of the worst things that can happen to anybody that they have a call on their life that we get disqualified for certain things. Actions that we do. And hypocrisy, Jesus spoke very, very sharply against it. Here's why we got to guard against it. Hypocrisy can destroy the ministry and whatever it is that God is doing in your life. It can destroy your family. It can destroy your home. It can destroy your marriage, relationships. It can destroy everything. It ought not be named in the church. We ought to be people that are consistent in what we do. Because we are a blessed people. But we got to be serious about this thing of hypocrisy. Either we're going to be who we say we are or we're not. Jesus said, I wish that you were one of the other hot coals. You can't be both. You got to decide where you're going to be. He said, you can't be. He said, I'll spit you out if you're kind of halted between two opinions trying to figure out. No, 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 no. That's not who we are. Every head is closed. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed.